Warning! The following podcast may contain language and subject matter not suitable for all ages or everyone. If you don't like what you're listening to, please press stop. In this episode of the Tang Warner Podcast. The downside to that system is that a lot of people who are native speakers of these critical languages can't get a security clearance. Mm. But formula-wise, you get that formula down and you can start cracking up books like no one else, no one's business, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're copying Netflix. You're watching something. <laughs> yeah. It's not... Transcribing it. It's not fan fiction, I swear. Hey, Netflix in Korea is not bad, yo. So as a writer, your long game is not from book sales. Like, you know, hopefully you'll sell enough, you'll be a classic and... Tune in to the Chang Wanner, the social media podcast for Chang Wan City, South Korea, with your hosts, Scott and Dee. It's the Chang Wanner podcast. The Welcome po- back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the podcast that brings you some of the lives of people living and working here in South Korea, in Chang Wan in particular. I'm one of your hosts. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Scott. Sitting across from me is another host, D. D. How's it going? Call me Dangerous D. I'm great, man. I'm happy to be back. We had a little bit of break there. Yeah, it's the summer holidays. Yeah, everybody was out and about. And this week we got a, another guest on. We've got Brendan Thompson. How's it going, Brendan? Just fine, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No problem. So uh, let's start off with uh, Brendan. Whereabouts are you from? Uh, originally, I'm from Kansas. Um, I traveled around a bit professionally when I was in the military. And uh, I've been here in Changwon uh, just past five years. You actually have, uh, that's probably something a lot of people don't know about you. You, were, you had a pretty prestigious job in the Air Force. You were a Arabic interpreter. Not prestigious, but uh, <laughs> well, impressive. Impressive, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. What I I tried to get a job as a, uh, a Japanese interpreter when I was when I did Navy, but I, I didn't stay in the Navy long enough to mm-hmm. be in there. I got lied to right from the beginning, so I got out. <laughs> but uh, so, what? Did, where were you stationed around? Um. So when you when you go in as an interpreter. Um, the first deal is they send you to language school. Mm, two years. Yes. Because uh, for this job... It's out in California too, right? Yes. Monterey, California. Yeah, that's the way I was going to be stationed as well. Which is a, a lovely place. It's it's uh, it's an amazing uh, Monterey Bay. Mm, right between uh, um, Carmel and uh, Santa Barbara, is it? San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, uh, it's Carmel and Seaside and mm. Pebble Beach. Um they're all like little towns that sort of ring the bay. Mm. And Monterey is on the north end mm-hmm. of the bay. And uh, the base is in a really good position. It's an army post, the Presidio of Monterey. Yeah, that's where, yeah, exactly. That's, they send everybody there, mm-hmm. right? It's real prime real estate. It, mm. it's, on a, it's on a hill, so mm. it overlooks the whole, the whole bay. You're about an hour outside of San Francisco, so it, you know, it's a real nice area. Um, but the training there is depending on your language six months one year or a year and a half and uh the the big three that they recruit for at the moment are arabic chinese and korean i would say russian wouldn't they too um no 
No. That was big in the Cold War. It's smaller yeah, now. the 80s are mm-hmm. over. Why Korean? Because of the, the North Korean yes. aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the thing is that the, the kind of linguist that, that I am, that this job is really um, for intelligence purposes. Mm. Yeah, so you are considered, you are intelligence, right? You had an intelligence job, you had a classified. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So in recruiting, they, like, they're not really concerned about how many languages you speak going in or your prior language um, proficiency. They're really more interested in the, your ability to get a clearance. Mm. You, you have to be cleared for top secret with a caveat. Mm. Um, and psychological, everything, you have to pass everything. It, yeah, yes. The, uh, the downside to that system is that a lot of people who are native speakers of these critical languages can't get a security clearance mm. because they have uh, relations, family members, or economic interests. They still live back in their own countries. Yeah, That's right. So, so they could possibly be a double spy. Yeah. yeah. So when you go in, they put you in a uh, a real intensive um, course that uh, you know a year and a half to learn uh, category four language mm. like Arabic or Chinese or Korean. Mm. Um, the failure rate it differs from year to year as they roll out new curricula. As you, know, you have different teaching teams with different techniques and so on, but it usually hovers at about fifty percent. About fifty percent of people who start the program mm. actually graduate and finish it because mm-hmm. it's really, really yeah, a long right, program. Right, right. So then, after that, you go on to do your spy training, um, which is in Texas, and that's another six months. So it's two years of solid uh, training. Mm. Which means you have to go through SEER and everything as well. Uh, no, because I was not airborne. Okay. So right. I had I had friends who were airborne, and uh-huh. after two years, once they they left um, their our, our uh, follow on training mm. in infosec, um, information uh, operations, and so on, computers. Mm. Then they went on to do Siri and other you know, all the other airborne training. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, once I was finished with my training. Um, Basic training at uh, San Antonio, and then DLI, and then follow-up training at San Angelo. Then I went to uh, Augusta, Georgia, and that's where I stayed for the following four years. So I was doing <laughs> that's kind job. of ironic, you know. You, yeah. you're, you study Arabic, but you would think you'd be positioned in some place in the <laughs> Eastern Europe or someplace near where they speak Arabic. I had some friends who who uh, did have that opportunity, but I, I wasn't among them. Uh-huh. It, like deployments for um, for what we call the ground linguists. Mm. Um, you know, I had a cubicle. Mm. I, I I clocked in a you know, nine to five job. Although I was when I was on the night shift, which was the majority, it was ten to ten. So ten at ten at night until ten in the morning. Ten in the morning, which would be the time when everybody was awake over in the Middle That's East. That's right. That's right. So were you listening to, I don't know how much you can tell us, but were you listening to radio transmissions or telephone calls or stuff like that? Yeah, that, those are the specifics I can't get into. But yeah. like I, had a, I had a terminal, I had a position, mm-hmm. and I would put in search queries, mm-hmm. and then it would bring back the raw intelligence as um, sound files or image files. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, how, how the system acquired that information is, is not... Something yeah, you can't. Something you can't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then uh, fast forward now to Korea. Okay, you you 
went to school after that, got a degree in creative writing. I got my degree before I enlisted. Okay, so then you enlisted as an officer? Nope. No, you just went in as a... Yep. Yeah, okay, you enlisted, okay. Uh, then after that, then, so you came to Korea after your military career? That's right. Okay. Why Korea? Um, I get asked this question from time to time um, by Koreans, because I, I teach adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually work for the Korean military. So my... Uh, my students are sailors and Marines. Um, Were you able to get that job because of your military it, experience? It helped, but it was not at all a requirement. Okay. Um, but it also, because I have a, a shared experience with my students, uh, it's easy for me to build rapport. Mm. I, know where I know where they're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can sympathize and, more than empathize. And, uh, and they are very impressed with, uh, with my... Uh, military history that just the fact that i was in but you know they have a lot of respect for the american military and um they have a lot of respect for uh the the brainy side so working in intelligence and sort of dealing with the big picture um so they they give me this question a lot that's a question of why korea and uh the short answer of it is just i needed a job coming out of the military and yeah. just I had just so much money and uh I had no debts coming out but not a whole lot of money actually in my pocket. Yeah. So I actually lived in New York City was my next stop after the military and Is that uh, where you're from? No, no, I'm from Kansas. Kansas, from okay. Topeka, Kansas. All right. So uh but yeah, I never lived in a city that big. Um yeah, Augusta is a couple hours outside of Atlanta, and uh, but yeah, I, I like the big city life. Mm. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go. I moved up to New York City, and in six months of job hunting, teaching in Korea was the best job that came along. You were in, living in New York City for six months, and you were searching for a job. You had an mm-hmm. apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time to be looking for a job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know... What were the, you going for? Anything? Or? I really was going for anything. I interviewed for some office positions. Um, I, I interviewed to be on a sales team. Um, but even with, with uh, second language, with uh, security clearance, um, everything that I was looking for in the civilian market, because I, I decided I didn't want to be doing the government version of my military mm. job. Well, there had to have been like private sectors that could have used you, right? Well, the thing is that uh, all the private sector stuff is contracting. Mm. I would have stayed in Augusta, Georgia, working the exact same job, the exact same office, just yeah, as, as a civilian. In that's a what, that's what my brother-in-law does. He, he works for the Air Force, too. And it's good money. It's, yeah. it's not a bad It's not a bad life, but... Uh-huh. I wasn't traveling and adventuring and all the things mm. that I wanted to do when I'd enlisted. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. So it was more a matter of um, I'm a patriot, and I had put in my time, and you know I'd, I'd given years to wearing the uniform mm. and participating in the military system, and I wasn't really getting what I wanted out of it, which was a sense of travel <coughs> and adventure. Mm. So although the money would have been good to turn that – Turn around and use those same skills mm. in uh, in civilian contracting. I was done living in Augusta, Georgia. Mm. Off subject, do you ever dream in Arabic? 
Uh, no. Never? I I have a, a couple times, but it's not, yeah, it's it's, not a big thing. Yeah. That, so would you say that you're still up to par with your language ability? Yeah. Um, every once in a while, I'll run into uh, uh, people from Syria or Iraq or, um, or where have you, and I'll take the opportunity to practice my Arabic. Mm. So. So yeah, I can still keep up conversationally, and mm-hmm. um, sometimes I load up Al Jazeera to read the news, and it's definitely rusty. It's mm. definitely not where it was, mm. but um, but I do a little I do a little language maintenance, five to fifteen minutes every day. Do a bit of Korean, do a bit of Arabic, mm. and do some other stuff. Cool, cool. So you decided to come to Korea after yes. you can find a job. It was so the what, best offer that came along. What year was it you th- that that you came here? I can miss that. It's 2010, so it was 2011 when I came here. Mm. So you've been here about five years? Yeah, just past five years. Just past five years. And you're going to keep going? Um, another year, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head back home uh, for two reasons. One, just that uh, six years is a long time to stay in one place, mm-hmm. and um, my, legs feel, my legs feel like walking. But the other one is that the uh, the deal with the GI Bill. Okay, so at this point, I I have four degrees. I went in with a bachelor's. Um, my two years of military training qualified me for a couple associate's degrees, mm-hmm. and then the Air Force paid as long as I studied upward, they would pay for any additional school. So I went ahead and got my master's while I was already in. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I still have the GI Bill. Um, Where'd you get your master's in then? Uh, Masters of Science in Leadership, which it's a it's a variation on an MBA. Okay. So you take a traditional MBA program. They'll have two modules for accounting. My program didn't have that. Instead, I took two modules in organizational psychology, which is which has been useful. It, it's helped me out. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. With uh, teaching, like it, it's helped me out being an ESL teacher, yeah. um, having a sense of how things uh, fit together and being able to predict in competent hogwan bosses and sort of offer alternatives to whatever plans they come up with. Yeah, but um, in a very professional and yes way. Of well, course. yeah, in, in, in a very uh, diplomatic way. Yeah, when you can sort of. Um, break it down and see what's happening at a structural level, then it's easier to keep your cool and um, suggest more more, uh, useful ways to go about things. Okay, so I do still have my GI Bill, but there's a time limit associated with it. Once you leave the military, you have 10 years to use your benefits. And that's 10 years to finish, not 10 years to start. Uh Uh-huh. So after another year, and you get the eighty grand, is it was up it? to yeah up to eighty grand? Okay. Yeah. So are you going to go back and like do a doctorate then? I, uh, I've been uh, kicking kicking that around for a long time. My really my options are to get a doctorate in some sort of a social science or to get an MFA in um, creative writing. And I'm really heavily leaning towards the MFA. Mm-hmm. Because um, you're a writer, you've been you've written right. eleven books. That's where I that's where I want to go. That's where I want to take my career. Uh, what I yeah. really want to do. Uh. And, would you yeah. Would you say that living in Korea um, has 
fueled your writing ability? Yes, it's uh, it's jump started my creativity. Okay. Uh, what, what about Korea? Because I have written. I like we talked about right before mm-hmm. we started recording. I've written a book too, but I cannot write in Korea. I'm too distracted with everything that's going on, whether it's a going away party on the Saturday. Or the amount of adjushis that scream on the street drunk at four o'clock in the morning uh, around my house, my wife, my dogs, whatever. How, how do you do it in here in Korea? What do you, what's, your, what's your method? No wife. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's 98% of it. Right yeah, there. And I, I, have, I have no, no family. There's a whole... 98% is a whole universe care. of distraction. Oh, no yeah. dogs. No dogs. <laughs> no, none of, none of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I binge write. Um, there's basically, there, there, there's two ways to do it. One is your daily writing where you just commit to a page. Mm. Um, and if you can do that consistently, a page a day is professional output. Yeah. Um, so after a year, though, that doesn't really, I, I mean, it's, I, it's a, a year you can finish a book, but some. Yeah. Some writers can, like you, binge write. Like Stephen King could put out a novel in mm-hmm. a month. Well, it has to do with um, experience. And so, like, I, I don't have near Stephen King's experience mm-hmm. just in terms of word count. But formula-wise, you get that formula down mm-hmm. and you can start cracking up books like no one else, no one's business, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then your other... You, so uh, uh, an issue you would have going into it would be research. So mm-hmm. some people require a lot of research or uh, journaling or um, preparation work, and then uh, that's time taken out of your project before you've even started writing. Then once you start writing, you have to commit to a schedule. Mm. And so for me, like a, a daily schedule doesn't work for me because there are, there are distractions. You know, the going away parties are a big one because they're just, Changwon is a giant nonstop going away party. Or a, a welcoming or birthday party. Yes. Yeah, and that's why the community here is so wonderful. Hashtag Changwon. Hashtag We love it. And that I've stayed here five years for it. So. Yeah. Um, so instead of looking at a daily schedule, I look at a weekly schedule, and I set it at a little more than a page a day. So I try to do ten ten pages a week. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. And usually I can do that on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll sit down. I'll put on the Netflix or just binge watch some kind of a show and episode after episode and i'll just sit there and i'll take it in from one year and i'll type and i'll look back at what i'm typing and then go back to the show and hashtag knockers <laughs> so, and, so you're copying netflix you're watching something <laughs> yeah it's not transcribing it it's not fan fiction i swear hey netflix in korea is not bad yo netflix in korea has got a lot of options it's getting better yeah they've got narcos here i'm so i was surprised about that well, their shows, Netflix shows come out, I think, regardless, wherever. But they have different content in different countries. Right. Yeah. The content here, I would think, would have been a little bit more restricted on what they can show and what they can't show. Because Narcos, obviously, Korea's anti-drugs, right? So they wouldn't want something like What's that. What's an anti-drug show? Yes and no. Yeah, Breaking Bad is, yes and is no. a huge PSA. Yeah. Why you shouldn't be, do drugs. Bre- Breaking Bad, they... they Glorified, uh, uh, but both shows, doing? both shows, kind of in the end. Mm-hmm. But come on, say don't be a drug. Dealer. Yeah, but you're sitting there, and I'm sitting there watching, uh, sitting here watching this guy, and uh, I'm sitting here feeling sorry for him when he's out down and out, and I'm thinking, yeah, I feel bad for him, and I'm rooting for him, you know. 
Pablo Escobar. Yeah, I'm rooting for him. <clears throat> I wanted him to win. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. Anyway. anyway, back to you, Brandon. Well, the thing is that it's a huge part of um, it's a huge part of my method. Mm. Uh, what keeps me energized for writing and storytelling is mm. other stories. Get your imagination going. That that's yeah, right. That's so right. the thing is that, uh, of course, you don't want to you you don't want to be re- redundant. You don't want to just copy, um, but you do want to be inspired by. And uh, I I've always had respect for writers who can. Or, you know, maybe musicians who mm. can trace the lineage of their method and their ideas. Mm. So, you know, I, I would never worry about what are things that I, you know, what are, what are the shows that I like to watch? You know, what do I watch as I'm, as I'm writing? And um, really it's, you know, what captures the, the, the flavor or the sensibilities of the story that I'm trying to tell. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. so so do you write more when Game of Thrones season is ongoing or i i have i have binged up to four seasons of game of thrones in a row on my on my weekend writing wow <laughs> yeah. this is you're going back and watch rewatching them yes yes um because there, there's the story structure and like the sense of character sense of character mm. there are certain things that you know i the book, the book series that I'm on right now, um, that I'm produ- that I'm writing is, uh, it's fantasy, but in a in a hard, gritty sort of uh, genre. So it's it, it parallels Game of Thrones. So I, I do draw a lot from from that series, from the show, and from the books. Mm-hmm. But um, once I'm once once I'm kind of done with the Game of Thrones, then uh, the next show after that was Vikings, and I binged three seasons and then from there to black sales binged a couple seasons and so i'm looking for um really any anything that captures that sense of um danger and adventure have you ever watched sons of liberty sons of anarchy sons of liberty no no that's going back to john hancock and benjamin franklin thomas jefferson all the the stories of them how i never knew benjamin franklin was like a real playboy that's the first thing you should know about Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, I know. Jeez, oh craves, you know. But uh, that—that's actually on the History Channel. Was given out. That's that's a pretty good series. There's a one of the main actors on Narcos is from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, he played uh, Oberyn Martell. Yeah. Mm. On Narcos, I didn't realize that the main character of Narcos he played in Elysium. He was the hacker that got. Matt Damon up into maybe I don't remember. No, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, Anyway, the the Spanish-speaking cop was from Game of Thrones. Really? Mm. So really, Pena? Yeah, really. The guy that's going to be back for season three. I'm happy he's going to be. I thought he was totally going to get killed. So I don't know if you guys, like you said, you've uh, you've read up on the on the history of Pablo Escobar, but. when you are training to be a to be a linguist in the Air Force, they bring up Escobar as an example of the importance of uh, intelligent SIGIN. Yeah, like it was to, the uh, RC-12 guardrail that flew over Medellin, uh, um, intercepting phone calls. And yeah, it's uh, well, a yes. case in point of why we need to have military linguists. He was a one step ahead of the cops. If it weren't for the Cali cartel trying to take him down as well, he would have kept going. I think. He and everybody else was, they were, they were honed in. They had more intelligence than the cops did. 
you know that was that was one of the the best things about the show to seeing how these guys ruthless as they were were still as intelligent or more intelligent than the people that are trying to catch them mm-hmm. hmm. so we'll get to your books in a second but have you ever written any scripts um, or, or attempted writing a- I well yeah I so when you when you uh, are studying creative writing as an undergrad you have to you have to take classes in at least three genres. Yeah. So, and I was um, a theater major before I was a writing major. Shay was, Shay did the same degree, right? She did creative writing masters. I don't recall. Oh, okay. Anyway, go on. Go on. Okay. Because um, I remember, I remember her telling me some something similar like this. Yeah. So three genres. Mm-hmm. Three so genres. one of so one of them was um, one of them was uh, playwriting. I I wasn't able to get into the screenwriting course. But I did not find myself suited to playwriting. Um, I'm, I'm not even well suited to uh, short stories, in my opinion. Mm. I gravitate toward the novel, mm. and more than that, toward the epic. Mm. So, so how? What's your page count for one book? You say, um, three to four hundred. Mm. Um, the thing is that, uh. I, I wrote a novel when I was when I was an undergraduate, standalone science fiction kind mm-hmm. of space opera, and I wouldn't publish it. it it's still in need of rewrites, um, like most people have with their first major project in whatever your discipline is. But um, when I was in the military, I started writing, and I wrote this story of it was a, in the horror genre. Lots of characters, lots of things going on. And when I was finished with it, it was 380,000 words. That's like a 900-page book or something yes, like that. Yes, like 900 pages. So I broke it down into four parts. Mm-hmm. And then it's still in need of rewrites um, to clean up the transitions because mm-hmm. I didn't write it as a series, and you kind of you have to transition from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my rate there was out of six years, I wrote four novels. Or novel length. So I've been in Korea five years, and I've just finished the sixth book in this fantasy series. So but, my, but you've written eleven. So the other five books, what do those come about? The horror, the horror novels. Oh, those are different. Horror. Those are yeah. separate. Okay, okay. So altogether, that's a one million word, uh, one million word count mm. um, between all of these all mm. of these series. So my uh, my oeuvre to date of what I would, what I would uh, eventually consider publishing mm. would all be, uh, would all, uh, all amount to one million words. Okay. All right. Hmm. So that's, uh, now we were talking before we started recording, like, a, the, like the way to get it, the way to get published, it's, it's, a, it's a job in itself, right? It's you yes. need a full-time job to try to get published. It's honestly, it, it's hard to both write and pursue uh, a publisher. Right. It's, it's hard. It's hard to do both. It's absolutely difficult. Like we were talking before, how these guys can go walk in and with an idea and say, "Hey, I'm going to write this book," and they're like, "Okay, here's five thousand dollars advance." Huh? What? And sign in, me up. And in in fact, um, once you are in the industry, once you have you know, once you have a publication, with once sales you have credentials, yeah, they prefer you to come to them with just a pitch. They publishers really don't like it when their authors start writing on their own 
Yeah, and then bring you you know something something because finished, it, something ready. They for they won. They they have the marketing and they have the they know what the uh, the, the the whole. The whole world is looking for. They know what the, what genre you could be. Well, they want to have input because yeah. they're they're the ones actually taking the financial risk yeah. and the printing and the marketing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and in the advance, so yeah, the earlier they can get involved with this, the the better. And you know what really sucks about writing books, even if you are published, still sucks. What? Just making money and income like yeah i read a statistic that the majority of published authors make less than ten thousand dollars a year off their work i know a guy who's a friend of my friend Mm -hmm. he's quite famous author now Mm -hmm. you know he's my favorite author actually and he's writes horror named brian Keane. he's wrote quite a few my favorite zombie books and you know other but uh I the last time I saw him was at a Comic Con in Canada and uh he had written he probably had about ten to fifteen books published at this point, but he's still struggling for money. Yeah. And at one point he got a job at Amazon just packaging things, including his own books. Just and so just, he can just had a job just so at he Amazon. Pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Writing is not. But now, now he's beyond that. Now, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Successful in the set in the sense well, where he's, he was successful. Well, in when the he sense, was in the Amazon, sense that he can buy his <laughs> buy a house with his earnings. Yeah, that's, instead of the the goal is to yeah. make a living off of it. Yeah. So even he, you know you hear that like Brandon Sanderson is not uh, you know he's not making enough money to support his family and mm-hmm. but, you know he's he's making he's making a decent living but he's not. It, you know, wealthy enough for his family to live comfortably. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's got to be a mental struggle knowing that. Well, all right, you know, at first I got to get published, but then even oh, yeah, after it after you get published, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. It's um, probably not going to be. Much. This My, is why I was suggesting to you because if you have a really great idea, you should self-publish because there's really no middleman. Then on Amazon. You can do it on Amazon. You can do it on Amazon Kindle. There are many platforms where you can do that. I actually, I actually did it on a, on one called Lulu, um, and they actually put into the database of the Amazon and they put all those online as well. Uh, since then, I've taken my book off because, I, mm-hmm. like I said, there's been other books that have come up that have been the same name, and I want to rectify that. But um, this this is where I think you should self publish, and and it's all about just starting a blog. Putting, uh, writing really great stuff, and then occasionally slipping in snippets of your book, and getting a fan base, and then self-publish it and give it to your fan base. Let the fan base promote it for you. And I think with you, you're a very, you're a very charismatic guy. I think you could definitely do that without any problems, and, and forego the, the the publisher all that stuff. Doing the same thing that you do really well is write. You just write a blog, and you get your fan base, and you just you just you know plug your book and get them to sell it, get them to buy it, and sorry, and uh, then they can promote it, and there you go. They it's all all from there. Yeah, you're uh, you're not wrong. Um, the the thing is that it's it's been ten years that I've been. Um, pursuing a publisher or an agent and mm. trying to go through the traditional system. And 
during those 10 years, the gap between writers and publishers has grown larger than it's ever been. Yeah, because so, now writers have the ability to do it on their own. Yes. So because then publishers are becoming obsolete. Well, and even uh, agents who are supposed to be the filter to relieve the pressure on publishers, um, professional agents are telling you, like, they're not looking for anything outside of their genre. And, you know, the, they, they come to work 8, 9 o'clock, and they spend the first four or five hours just checking emails. Yeah. That, you know, that there are so many people with so many ideas wanting to sell a book or yeah. you know, w- wanting to get uh, into this. And there's just this huge gap in between. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, it's, it's sad for the authors that they're left there with their, their work unsold. But it's also, it's also bad for the readers because there's all sorts of stuff that you'd be interested in. And it's just not being brought to you. Um, yeah, because also to, on that point, um, with, with the self-publishing, there's also other ways and methods to get your book out there. Because if, if you're into investing in yourself, you can, uh, you can spend – there's conventions and stuff where people can put your book up on display for the public to come by and see. So it's, it's not only publishers. It's not only authors – other authors is not only agents, but the other public to come and see. See, you spend maybe five hundred dollars uh, to get it put up in a book festival, and somebody will go and set it up and and be there, and you'll have your own poster and things like that. And so that's another yeah, option. which are which are things that I could not have afforded coming out of the military. Yeah, but after five years in Korea, now I, I have that. But the. Uh, the attractiveness of the idea of going back home and working on my MFA is that um, when you're studying M- M- MFA, your teachers are all published authors. But to have an MFA, you have to publish a book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then they can hands-on um, teach you the industry, and because that's their whole goal. Like they don't, they don't, they don't uh, create new MFAs unless those MFAs get their books published. Mm-hmm. So it's. More, it's more or less a guarantee to break into the market. Um, and then they know agents. They know publishers. They know people who run retreats and people who run conferences. And they can get you working. They can mm. get you into that industry. So that's, kinda, that, that's where I'm headed at the moment. Um, but on, on the subject of the online, the online forum, that uh, the big problem is that you have to learn the industry for yourself. But because the market there is so large and growing so rapidly, services like Amazon, Lulu, BookBaby, uh, or the one that I'm trying with now, Inkshares, are really working to try to grab that market yeah. to uh, kind of leverage the unique intellectual properties that are out there that more traditional outlets are not willing to take a risk and involved in. Um, so, yeah, you do have this formula where – um, the cost of entry is going down. You know, you have to put it. You have to put aside maybe five, six thousand dollars to get a book out the door. But what do you mean to, to get it for the, the that cost? What is that for? Okay, so that that's the the physical printing, the warehousing, and of well, course, if you uh, go. Through, oh, you mean? Oh, you mean uh, like if a publisher pays that? Okay, all right, all right. So you know, if you're going through the Amazon bookstore, yeah. Then, 
Um, those are print on demand, though. Right. So distribution and warehousing, and the, they don't pass those costs on to you right. as, a, as an author. Yeah. So my point is that uh, a, lot, a lot more services like that are popping up. Yeah. Ten years ago, when I was thinking, what, you know, what's, the, what's the process to go through to get a book published, um, it was not so accessible, mm-hmm. right? That uh, it, w- it really was a question of like, well, can you get together <coughs> five or six thousand dollars? Yeah, you know, and at the time, like, well, no, that's not really, yeah, right, right. Not really feasible. So I, I had similar idea, but I, I had because sometimes when you when you go through those uh, those um, those uh, the entry gateways, the Lulu offered was it like uh, it was like a thousand books for. $3,000. And uh, my thought was, since my book is kind of, um, kind of a, a baloney, we use that word for things that we can't do in Korea, a uh, baloney kind of book, uh, I would go around to the festivals and sit there at the, in the, and um, shit, what's the word I'm trying to think of? That's a good word. <laughs> when you're sitting in the parking lot and you're just, uh, Hanging out with people, you don't even tailgating. go to the festival. Tailgating, oh, there it is. God, I've been out of America I went to too college. Long. Tailgating, just go tailgate and just try to sell books uh, out of festivals. Sell them for if I get them for three bucks each, sell them for like eight bucks. All right, I have a two-part question. Okay, shoot. I'm gonna start off with the positive, with streaming and all these. Like we got Netflix, we got all. There's all kinds of. Uh, Let's say opportunities for authors to write something and put it on to screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more movies made at this point than any time in history. There's new shows like look at the is it the Duffer Brothers that did Stranger Things. Stranger Things. They did only B movies before that. Mm-hmm. They didn't do much. Yeah. But the, the Martian. There's, there's the Martian more opportunity. Did they do The Martian? No, no. But The Martian was a self-published book mm. that was optioned and made into a movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, that was Ridley Scott, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the first decent movie he made in quite a while. But uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of opportunities for authors, I think, with, you know, like Netflix, Amazon, mm. Hulu, all these other... But do you think books are dying? Okay, so the answer to that is no. And for example, I just brought for example, I just brought up The Martian, mm, right? right? That um, filmmakers and show show runners are looking at um, last year's new releases. Yeah, when they are when they are sitting down to make a new IP. Um, and uh, yeah, because Hollywood is Hollywood's lost all, all their ideas. They don't have any ideas in like, Hollywood. Well, it, it's more that it's more that pro- producers are really conservative because they put so much of their own money up into every project. Yeah, that yeah, but the, yeah. The the issue that yeah, but why then are, are kids, people doing sequel after sequel and remake after remake? They consider it safe. Are, are kids uh, these days? Yeah. Are kids reading these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you they're reading so? off their cell phone. Yeah, they got. That's why they, it's all just going digital. See, it's just that's, going that's the other thing I was going to ask. Like, you're talking about self-publishing, and yeah. there's all these e-books and stuff, yeah. which, I mean, obviously all you got to do is upload your work. 
Right. There are no gatekeepers, so a lot of it is whatever, really low quality. Two dollars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's dollar yeah, ninety nine is is fair price. It's a fair price, but at the same time, you can literally find it for free via torrent somewhere. Well, you know what? Once it's I uploaded, would, it's access to anybody. I would rather have I would rather have my t- my book be torrented and popular and popular than for free for free. Then uh, somebody pay money for it. At least uh, your first one. Yeah. Well, anyone, any of them, honestly. Well, let me let me tell you the the model um, for making money and like how it is that I hope to uh, that I hope to make money out of this is not in book sales, but it is in selling the rights to the IP. Mm-hmm. So that that's the actual goal. But you want you want it to be a feature film or you well, want it to be an epic that's, that's where you that's where you make your the cons, your considerable amount of money yeah right? so yeah. of course like money does come in from your residuals you mm. get quarterly paychecks on whatever your portion of the sales hashtag are. harry potter um but it is it is in selling the rights sold to the devil too <laughs> so that that's that's currently just the current system we have that's where the big outlays big cash flows mm are going into um, supporting writers. Mm. Um, so it's sort of, it's like if you're, if you're an actor and you expect to make a certain amount of money out of your films and mm. so on, but your long-term, your retirement funds are from conventions. Since, uh, from conventions. Right. Going to Comic-Con and all that shit. So right. as a writer, your long game is not from book sales. Like, you know, hopefully you'll sell enough, you'll be a classic and, but th- th- that's just a very small number of books. That's a 1% of the 1%. Right, that are going to continue to be bestsellers 30 years after they were published. Yeah, yeah. So the more realistic in-game, your retirement fund is going to come from selling the IP. That's the money that comes in where you can buy a house, where you can I, I was going to say, like, this guy, this guy kind of know. He spent years and years driving from Comic-Con to this convention, to that convention, and setting up a booth and, you know, selling his books, Mm -hmm. signing autographs. And he was popular and famous, but he was still, at times, living out of his car or... Probably the best times of his life. Sleeping on a sofa. Best times of of his life. Of a fan. You know, wherever the Comic-Con was, you know. The the journey to get to to fame is more fun than getting famous. Years and years. Well, I I actually... This is well after being published, too. Yeah. I actually signed a contract with a small print publisher two years ago, and they just never published the book. Why? They just didn't. Just they folded like so they're still like they're still around or maybe they're trying to pretend that they're around but do they own the rights to it? Uh, no, because they haven't because they haven't published it. So I I've notified them that first I talked to a lawyer about this, but I've notified them that they're in breach contract and it was in the contract that if I'm not satisfied with their product delivery, then I can withdraw at any time within the first year of publication. Mm-hmm. So obviously yeah, it hasn't been published. So. <laughs> Yeah, so we're still within that. We're still within that yeah, window. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I've notified them. And, but the point here is that even if you do get a contract, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's only mm-hmm. as good as the person that you're signed with. Mm-hmm. And so similarly, like you said, that maybe the the goal is the goal is moving copy, just having having prints and having um, 
having a digital release and having numbers on those. But at the same time, we are talking about um, doing something professionally and making a living at it. And so the long game for that, I think, is selling the rights. It's the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't think books are dead? No. I don't in know. terms of actual... And I don't paperback hard no, I, I, I don't think print is I don't think print is dead either. I think that I think all that we're all that we're seeing is an introduction of new kinds of media and I think that it's a good thing. Just just like you said D that I would much rather um have people download download the book and read it. Mm. I would only ask them to tell their friends. That, yeah, exactly. Right, right. I, I I would want I would want everybody in the world to read my book and not make a penny then be able to make a thousand dollars to five thousand dollars and the, have the, somebody. Be the thing is that the the good the goodwill that you get from fans and from interacting with people pays off in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of this would be George R. R. Martin. It's just more than it's more than about money. It's more than about money, right? It's more than about. Well, yeah, money you have me. a passion, and I'm yeah. I I consider myself a storyteller, and oh. that's what I want to. Yeah, there's a, oh. there's another author book I read. It was all word of mouth. And he got really famous. I mm. think he wrote the Celestine Prophecy. Celestine Prophecy. Uh, that's that, um, that series, anyway. But the first, yeah, one, I read that book. That he didn't have a publisher. He just was all word of mouth and got famous. Yeah. The, well, that that's but a pretty for me pretty remarkable book. I can't stand ebooks. Like I can't read off a computer. Screen. I can't read off. A I feel like I, 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 I have to have a book. Me too. It I is have a to have something it. in my hands. It is a superior experience. It's like a security blanket, but, but most people these we, days feel the opposite because they like the Kindle. They like that. Uh, I can't use them. That one. But thing. see, that's not us. But that is. There are those people, and I'm mm. I'm happy that there is a form of media to accommodate their tastes and their yeah. interests. And because, I just I see it as being far more open than yeah. it has been. That that's. I, I feel positive about but, it because, like we're talking about here, like uh, being able to download it and torrent it, right? Uh, that ensures that more people are going to read it, and it might get into the hands of a person that could buy the rights to the IP, right? Possibly. And that's when you got that's when you got your game gone. Well, there, there's but a there's couple also people, and especially in the future to come, there's people out there that are at some point going to be like, no, don't make books. We're killing trees. The well, um, yeah, that's, that's why it's gone digital, digital right? That's why it's gone that's digital. That's not why it's gone digital. Digital is just. I mean, that's one of the reasons, though. That, that's there. one of the reasons, and and uh, yeah, I mean that. That's, I I can't sit there. I can't look at my monitor and read a book. No, no, no. But if you look at the um, if you look at the uh, what the Kindle does, the Kindle's got the 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 font is very important. I've tried them. The the font is very important. They've got a font that's like a book font, but it looks exactly like what a book would look like. Yeah, and, and you can change the background so it looks granular, mm. like yeah. like a page. And it's um, not. I don't think that's the case with me. I'm just no. I'm the I'm the same. I I definitely prefer a a print book in my hand. I, I want to thumb through it. Mm. That's an that's a part of the I like experience. the smell of it. I like the smell of the it's book. Like, right, like they're, they're I'm very anal too. Like. In terms of, I don't like my. You like anal? What? <laughs> yeah, I like anal, and I like the. Uh, I don't like creasing the. Oh, uh, the, the spine, binder, the, the spine, spine of it, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. Like to keep. That's the you're a hard, you're a hardback book, it. man. Because uh, if you were to soft, no, no. if you were a soft cover, then you're gonna put that crease in there. Maybe. Yeah. But anyway. 
Anyway, got a huge zombie book collection. Yeah, I would never read them. <laughs> Scott's a writer was, too. You know that? No, I didn't. On, uh, Scott's a writer. I was not aware. He does. Uh, well, let's yeah. Let's uh, let's let's plug your stuff, Scott. He does a, a website called uh, One, One Night, Night Dead, and it's a uh, this specific thing. It's yeah, a choose your own adventure. Uh-huh. Adult zombie, but not written just by me. It's written by whoever wants to add to it. Yeah, but you started you started it with a bunch of your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. All of the, the graphics and stuff you've all put together before. Let, let me pull this up here so Brenda can no, see. No, it's dead right no, now. No, is it dead? You took yeah. it off? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, come it's on. not off, but oh, well. I'll bring it up. Well, uh, come on. Anyway, it's a choose your own adventure. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. So if, if you come to a point in the story and it's not doesn't continue you can add to it okay no that's a neat concept like a like a creepypasta or it's right now open source horror multiple authors you know what i mean Uh yeah Yeah. that's that's an interesting project idea in itself Mm. yeah Uh, just something i'm I'm into zombies and wanted to start Mm mm-hmm so he's got. A, I've I've been through his website a bunch of times. He's got. A, he does all the. Okay, so you you drew this the, these graphics. No. Uh, he, yeah. Most of them. You drew all these graphics. Most of them. You did. Not everyone. This but, one you drew. Uh yes. Fuck off! Are you serious? Damn it, man! I didn't have no idea. I thought you all sourced it out. This one's not me. Huh? That one's not me. This one you did. This one. Uh no. This one, yeah. This guy. Anyway, we're so talking you, about so you writing. Can see, you can see. Trying. Well, you can see this get bigger as you work with it. Oh, well. I mean, he's got a pretty big but following I've, on I've, Facebook. I've, on Facebook, I've, he's got. I've, that's another thing. Do you have your own Facebook page for your books? Okay, so right now I'm just using my my personal Facebook page, but. No, I'm I'm aware of this as well. That yes, you, you want to have an author page and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to have like because. Obviously, everybody here would uh, would sign up to to get updates and stuff like that, and see what's going on with your your books. Everybody here in Changwon, everybody who's come through here or been through here or whatever, past people, you can easily get hundreds of likes in the first time you put it out there, right? And then and then people like it and share it and all that stuff like that. It just grows, man. And you got to use this. You got to use this platform, man. I mean, fuck, fuck the fuck the publishers and the agents and stuff like that. With you, man, you're a popular guy here. Everybody here loves you. Everybody here would support you and, and get your name out there and everything like that. Well, that's that's real nice. So, okay, so let me talk a bit of, then about what what we're doing right now, what our platform is right now. Who's our? Um, me. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, us as a team. You and your personalities. Okay, so there's a, a web. The website that I'm using is called Ink Shares. Mm-hmm. Inkshares.com, and it's a it's a crowdfunding model, so it's a it's a Kickstarter. So you put your project in and um, you set the description. Um, you can start with just a pitch, just an idea. Now, for me, I had the book and its sequels already written, but I just on the website started off as a pitch. Um. And then uh, I got a notification that there's a, uh, a contest that they're running for uh, fantasy, the fantasy genre. And this is something that they do normally. Like last year, I supported a friend who was in the uh, science fiction category. 
Okay, so I went ahead and put it live, although I'd wanted to take more time to feel out the community and you know, like get a sense of, of InkShares itself, how it works and all. But um, you go live, you have 90 days to collect pre-orders. Okay, so the price of a pre-order is set by the page count. So I gave, I gave them the approximate word count, they turned that into a page count, and then set the price. Um, so what they do is when they get the number of pre-orders that matches their formula, then they take the book to a publisher. So publishers who, they maintain that relationship. So they, the website is the one that negotiates on behalf of the authors. So they serve as agent. But they don't go to publishers just with a pitch or an idea and say, trust me. They go to them with some hard Something data. Popular. We have this much money already raised, um, pledged to this project. Uh, so the whole concept of InkShares is to get people to get people started, to get past that first hurdle, mm-hmm. um, to build your platform, to uh, get you connected to readers and so on. So um, the deal right now is that anyone who, who does want to support me can um, find my page on InkShares.com. Shares with S. That's ink right. Shares.com. That's right. Shares of Ink. Uh-huh. Um, my name is Brendan Thompson, which will be spelled out in the, the link to the podcast. Mm-hmm. The book is called Dragonford. That's your latest one? Well, okay. So the deal is the, the series would be Dragonford. The settlement that How do you spell that? F-O-R-D? Yes. Uh, Dragonford. Yes. The place where the dragon crosses the river. Okay. Dragonford. Uh-huh. Um, F-O-R-D-E? F O R D. Okay. All right. And, yeah. No E. Okay. Like the car. Oxford or Hartford. I thought it was Stratford. another E. Well, or, that, or that's like, why I'm like the car. not published at all. <laughs> I'm very. So the, the series would be Dragonford or the Dragonford Chronicles. Uh-huh. Um, that's, the, that's the settlement that they are tasked to establish. So they're going out into the wilderness, they find this spot on the map. Um, they're they're founding a colony, and it's the the town of Dragonford. So then, uh, each installment of the series takes us through years of these characters' lives as they are uh, tasked with expanding um, the empire that they serve, and then sort of looking at the consequences of that long term, um, dealing with issues of colonialism, and you know, it starts off more. Uh, like a traditional Western, in, but in a fantasy world mm-hmm. where you have to brave the wild and nature, but it's filled with fantastic monsters and threats and undead and things you know, things from beyond. Um, but then as the years go by, the story progresses, they have to uh, deal with the nobility from the old world now coming over to uh, take possession, take control of the uh, the the fruits of their labors, what they've dragged out of the ground with their own two hands. Well, the whole project was backed by money from the old world. So here come those nobles to. But that's all that's all down the road. We're right now. We're just looking at the first book and an opportunity to um, pledge a pre order to uh, get, to get the book in print. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. the. Like a Kickstarter, the um, the pre-orders on InkShares are for the purpose of um, getting basic funding for the project. But then they go to publishers, and publishers they you know they they release it 
just like any other product in their line, um, additional sales and reviews then come out of that. So let me ask you a question. Can you be an ongoing project on InkShares? You yes. can be, you can say your pitch isn't very good. You're, you know, you're, you're struggling to get support, everything like that. You can just keep going until. Yes. Cause it's a community. Okay. So, all right. So you meet other people that are doing, so you learn about how to get, yep. to get everything and yep. people are teaching you and you're helping other people as That's well. Right. Okay. All right. That's right. So it's, um, yeah, it's half, halfway between, uh, actually, I guess I, I would, I would say it's a lot more like YouTube. In terms of you, you can put your stuff out there, mm-hmm. um, and then just elicit whatever sort of response from people who are in the community. But then you follow people, and you can uh, see like who's somebody who has influence in the community because they follow these people, or lots of people follow them, and um, see sort of like who is um, productive in mm-hmm. rec- in giving recommendations, or who's productive in giving advice. I'm going to get on your case. I'm going to get on your case. I think you should start a Facebook page. And then I think, no, maybe not weekly, whatever you decide, but just put up some snippets of your, of your work. It doesn't have to be, you know, first page or whatever. Just, just some snippets. Just give some people a taste of it. So see what it's like. So, uh, right. Everybody's heard you've, you've been a writer, but nobody's read anything you've written. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're good. If you, I don't know if it, whatever you gotta you gotta bring it up to us. So okay. So right now, uh, you go to the uh, you go to the the InkShares InkShares site, which uh, I've linked I've linked prior to um, Changwon Expats. Okay. But uh, after the podcast, I can link it to uh, to the Changwoner. We got it right. right. Well. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. I'll, I'll put the links in. Too. Okay. So. Okay, so you you click on the link and it will take you to the project page. There are at the moment three sample chapters, three excerpts well, from the, the book. Asteroid dragons here. Come <laughs> okay, so how do I find? I'm going to search. Okay, um, you type in Dragonford. Dragonford. Are slow, slow, internet slow, slow. There it is, top, top one there. Yep, top one. You don't have a cover for it. You have sixty-three followers. A company of veterans must cross the continent to found a settlement in a hostile wilderness, facing cultists, monsters, and assassins. The greatest peril they face will be their own secrets and legacies of betrayal. There's the pitch. That is a fantastic way. All right, so you can see there's the bar of green is uh-huh. number of pre-orders. Um, there's a gray. 250 copies. Is that's the, pre- the minimum. That's the minimum. That's that mm-hmm. line right there. Right, that's to get, and to get the book published. 60 pre-ordered. Nice, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. The, uh, the, okay, so 750 is the full goal. Yeah. Then that would uh, get the book not just published but sponsored. Pre-order price 10 Twenty bucks. Yeah, twenty twenty dollars. Ten dollars only gets you the ebook. Uh, twenty dollars gets you an ebook and a paperback. Okay. Yeah. Um, now they say that uh, the books come signed, um, but I I would imagine that that's something like they'll take my digital signature and then imprint that 
Yeah, I'm sure they're not going to send you 750 books and say, hey. <laughs> yeah, sign these. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know that that, that is what's traditional. Um, you know, if you have a publisher, they have a certain number of books that they want to have control of. Yeah. Um, that they can give to people as uh, promotional material saying this has been signed by the author. Uh, but of course, anyone who's ever lived in Changwon at any time in their life can bring me a book that I've written yeah. and I'll sign it for you. Look at that. Uh, I, li- I like your, your tagline, an actual factual man of the world. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Uh, I think you've sold me. I, I'm, uh, I've been tossing around my whole rewrites and edits well, in my pa- book. Page I- down. Page down. Uh, scroll down a bit. Right. Scroll down a but bit. But I, I think you sold me uh, about something else. Okay, there's there, my, here's your history. Here's my bio. But you keep right. going down. Keep going down. Sample chapter. Okay. And is this uh? So the the one that's linked to the page is um, it's uh, chapter one, part five. So it's it's not the opening of the book, but it's it it's a uh, it's an action sequence. I chose uh-huh. it because it's very representative of my writing uh-huh. and sort of showcases the kind of the grittiness of how I approach mm. this particular fantasy world. Okay. Uh, gunpowder fantasy. Gunpowder. Is that a paladin? Is yes. It, what's a paladin? Uh, paladin, a holy warrior character. Uh, that's a, a class in Dungeons and Dragons. You'll see them popping up in contemporary fantasy. Cerebos, not Cerebos? That's a name. That's that's I pronounced that right? Yeah. Durden? Durdan? Durdan. Durdan. The musketeers fired out in sequence and soon they were all reloading. So, okay. So there's it's like the Wild West with dragons? Right. <sighs> and zo- zombies and the undead and cultists and Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. So if you scroll scroll down further. Um, I can go down further, okay. Yeah, yeah. So under, okay, then it says read more. Go up, back up, yeah. Read more. Okay, so that will show you this particular, this particular uh, excerpt. And you don't don't uh, click that because our internet here is slow. Oh, okay. Okay. So a thirty-three minute read. Oh, actually, okay. Yeah, and you know that varies depending on you, but but yeah, that's the estimate by word count. So it's a pretty substantial. Um, Sample. Excerpt, yeah, that's provided. And then there are others. Okay, so you down here get, we have... You know, you know what you need to do? May I make a we suggestion? We have two, two others that are available. Here. May I make a suggestion? Have you yes. ever heard of the website Fiverr.com? No, I haven't. No. Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. It's a website for uh, services. You need, a, you, need a cover, you need a cover made for you. Well... Or you need you need to put a cover on there. Well, know. yes, I and actually and uh, Fiverr Fiverr is the way to go because mm-hmm. Scott and I have both used Fiverr quite great. It's people like us that have their own profile and they pitch something to say, okay, you get this for five bucks. You want anything more? And then we we negotiate. Okay, so you could probably get a cover made for that mm-hmm. for your book. Probably That's like certainly a good twenty five or thirty bucks. You know, mm-hmm. probably you can get away with that depending on who it is. No, no, no. Five bucks is just a sample. You get Book a sample. Cover, you can get five bucks. Well, for a cheap one, yeah. But you want to do something. You want to do something a little bit. I mean, if it's going to be good, you got to do more than just a five buck cover. You know, unless yeah. I mean, well, d- depends. I mean, no, I, no. I, I, I get you. A, like the thing is that 
this is uh, it's all good feedback because I'm at a point where I have to be open to everybody else's yeah. ideas and information. That, yeah. like I said, the deal is that I put this up um, because <coughs> another friend of mine recommended Ink Shares. That's how he got his first couple books yeah. published. Oh, okay, um, but. I kind of rushed into this because I didn't have enough time for my own comfort to learn the website and all of it. Mm. Um, when uh, Geek and Sundry announced that they were opening their contest, then I ran with that. So, um, okay, so yeah, that's definitely the next priority. Well, you see here that uh, I'm currently really short of my project goal, but we still have we still have about two months, so we're not at crunch time at the moment we're not at the point where it's uh it's, so it's critical a time limit yep yep just like a kickstarter the the uh the whole point is that once once the time limit is up um everybody's pledge gets refunded to them if the uh, project didn't meet its goals hmm. yeah so it's uh it's low it's low risk for the consumer right you pay your money um, to support the project, but if the project doesn't meet its funding goal, it's not successful, then you get your money back. Like, um, we don't just uh, keep your money on a promise, um, but you're, you're trying to support a, a possibility, trying to support somebody getting their idea realized. Okay, so I want to go, I want this green line to fill up past this gray line. Okay. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we can fill the entire gauge. But 53 days left. 53 days to to uh, get the project. Yeah, and the thing is that uh, the way that they run these contests, right, because it's 90 days from the beginning. Um, So, I, you know, I haven't quite got, I haven't got one... Uh, I'm sorry, from the beginning, I've gotten a little more than one sale per day, but that wouldn't be enough for me to hit the pre-order goal. Mm-hmm. But, um, they don't really advertise this project until you're into the last month. Okay. So at the start of it, you know, from where they're coming from, they're more interested in having people submit their work, submit their projects and, um, and come into the contest, and then it's at the end of the contest that they're interested in having customers come in and give them support. But when it comes to crowdsourcing, it's important for the overall long-term success for people to get in as early as possible. That um, projects that meet their minimum funding fairly early on tend to have more people come along, you know, to bandwagon and get a sense of excitement off of the project. Problems, um, sorry, projects that have problems meeting their minimum funding are unlikely to have a last-minute rally. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, we. I went through the first month, um, you know, being kind of disappointed that I didn't reach that goal within the first month. But really, I'm just. Um, really, I'm just uh, learning it all as I go along. So, you know. Uh, like uh, like you pointed out, D, that um, there's not uh, there's not a cover. Well, ideally, I would have had talked to an artist and had the cover already in hand before I took the project live. But uh, once the con once the contest started, I had to make a decision to go live now or not be a part of the contest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel like I got a lot more out of opening the project up immediately. If I say waited 10 days to get everything else together, then that's 10 days. It wouldn't have been a visible project. Yeah. Um, but maybe 15 days ago, um, half of the projects that were here also didn't have covers, but now most of them do. So, so I'm, can, I'm behind you, in that regard. Can you update it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if I if I were to sign in on this in my account, then you'd we see like update. the yeah the author uh, author options. Hmm. But yeah, like um, a couple people have um, contacted me about the the sample that they read. And like um, one person told me you uh, you have a typo. You know you you missed a you missed a preposition, and and that was good because I can edit it. So cool. And uh, yeah, I've I've I've. Uh, Updated it with two additional excerpts, and uh, here in another day or two, I'm going to put out another uh, sample chapter. Awesome, man. Awesome. So you got your Twitter, Facebook, and email on there. Well, yeah, those are those are for you guys, so you can recommend through your Twitter, your oh, Facebook. Okay, I got you. Your right. email. Pitch, pitch uh, sure, again. sure. The last year. Yes. And uh, uh, when you when you purchase when you when you uh, complete a pre order, then it will bring up a window to uh, recommend on to others. Okay. And then uh, InkShares has an additional thing that, um, okay, so anything, any project that you support, you can see it's $10 is the minimum, which gets you the e-reader version. Mm -hmm. Um, You then um, recommend it to all your friends, you know, send it out over Twitter, Facebook. If anybody buys it based on your recommend, then you get $10 in credit on InkShares. So then you can turn around, pledge another book or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely going to check this out. Uh, I'm sure we're going to meet up on this digital platform right here. Yeah. So anybody out, anybody out there listening, I'll uh, have all this in the show notes and links to cool, cool to you on shares, not to you. <laughs> <laughs> to Brenda. Cheers. So uh, we got to wrap things up here. Yeah, because the kitchen's going to close upstairs. Let's go get some order in. Before we do, so uh, you're actually living in Jinhae, right? That is correct. So next town. Was there any specific reason to the area, Korea, that you ended up in this area? Um, So I came out to Changwon just on on the interview. So uh, this is actually the second job that I interviewed for. The first one, I, if I remember correctly, was in Gwangju. so, you know, just you, you have a recruiter and he gets you your interviews and wherever wherever your first good interview is, then that's where you end up going. And you've been at the same job for so five years? Oh, no, I've changed jobs every year. Oh, well, really? The first three years I changed jobs every year. Okay, okay so I'm in Jinhae now because uh, I work for the Korean Navy. Um, and that's a job that was, it was recommended to me. Um, their staff there is uh, three native instructors and when one of them left, the job was opening up. Um, all three of them were people who I drank and played darts with at O'Brien's. Mm-hmm. So the my social life in Changwon then opened up a professional opportunity. That's, all, that's, a, that's always how it happens, you know, because if somebody meets you and they like you, mm-hmm. they want to help you. That's right. I did that for a year. I worked at the Korean Navy base in Jinhae. Back in 2003, maybe. Okay, okay. 2003, Oh, man, it was a different place then. We're not even yeah. in the same building anymore. Everybody I taught was uh, 
helicopter pilots. We still have a lot so of those. <laughs> I literally just sat in class, and all my students would you'd hear them coming, come down and like Apache helicopter <laughs> land beside. Well, you know, since since then they've um, they've opened the um, submarine command. And so now um, a lot of my students are um, submariners. <laughs> really? Um, I, I actually, I, I had the pleasure of uh, doing a speaking class where uh, there was a, a captain who was in my class, and he was, he was the captain of the very first voyage of the very first submarine that was uh, domestically produced in Korea. <laughs> really? Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. So they do make submarines here in Korea? I imagine so. Yeah, yeah, they make them in the shipworks. Wow. Okay. I'm sure, they uh, have always had submarines. So well, I mean, had them some uh, countries get submarines contracted from other countries. Yeah, they, they, they recently s- just started making the sandwiches. Here. <laughs> they do, and you know what? The better, su- the better I, submarine. I ate it for lunch today, and I've eaten it five <laughs> other times this week. But uh, but yeah, that's why I'm in Jinhae now. So uh, I really like it there. People are people are friendly and nice, and like. Yeah, Unlike yeah. working at a hogwan where your students kind of despise the ground you walk on, uh, the uh, military students know exactly what the value of English Being education able to speak. is. Yeah. Do, te- I mean, adults learn because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. Kids learn because they have to be there. Yep. So yeah, there's a big difference yeah. between and, teaching somebody who... Well, the thing is that there, there's a sense of accomplishment you get from working with kids that's impossible to recreate with adults. Yeah, you can't really see as much improvement as you can with kids, I um, think, with adults. But, but kids aren't really coming to you with concrete goals in mind of things they want to do yeah. in six months or in one year. And you're essentially helping people fulfill their dreams right. and their goals, and that's a great feeling, that's right? right? So I've, I've seen uh, my working with adults, and a, a lot of them are leaving the military, and that's why they want to brush up on their English. So. I've I've helped people into different careers. Uh, I've helped people uh, go to conferences. Um, one one former student of mine now he's um, doing his postdoctorate work at um, Berkeley, and I I helped him get his packet together and go through the immigration that's, process. That's so. great. I had I, I teach uh, Chinese students off an app on my cell phone. I had one girl uh, last month. She won the national speech contest in China. And credited me for helping her get through a lot of that. I was like, "That's a good feeling. That's stuff like that. that's, that's a right. really good feeling." And that, that's the that's the cool thing. That's the 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 upside to being a teacher. And I really get a rush out of that. So mm-hmm. that's what's kept me in you know, kept me mm-hmm. in teaching. In addition to the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Lydia over there in China. So basically, Changwan was random. Yeah, it was the it was the luck of the dice. Got, got here like the area. Oh yeah, yeah. I I feel like I, I lucked out coming. You China. mentioned you like big cities before, and going to New York. Well, no, so. actually, New New York ended up being too big for me. So, like a place like Seoul would not suit me. Yeah, it would, it would eat me up. Big. It would eat me up. Um, yeah. So Changwon is uh, Changwon is a city like a little bigger than Changwon is really about my speed. That Changwon is big for me. Like coming from Canada. The- Probably as big as the biggest city in Canada, actually. No, no, no. Toronto's the third biggest city in North America. Toronto's two million people. Maybe uh, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's more like five. And but uh, really, but no, like in 
I haven't north, been there in 20 years. Well, North, north America <laughs> actually possible. North America actually doesn't have a lot of big cities. We have a lot right. of small cities. But I'm saying Changwons. Yeah, like New York, Chine, Los Angeles, Changwon, then Toronto. That's a crazy. million. That's a million crazy. People, but no, like, right? I, I get you there. Like, that beats out Seattle as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's, like, and it's a lot more condensed. Tr- Toronto, Toronto is spread out. It's probably close to the size of Korea. Toronto. Not, not, not exactly, but that's exaggerated. <laughs> well, the, the suburbs and whatever close. you mean. It, it would take you hours to drive across, uh, including the suburbs, right. which they count in that population. Yeah, the same, the same uh, where I come from, Cincinnati, uh, they, they consider out out in the farmland still part of Cincinnati. It's where not. It, here in Changwon, you got, what, a million people, probably more now, but it's... <sighs> Packed. Well, a million, packed that's in, with know, Jinhae and yeah, Masan. Yeah, yeah, 500,000 yeah. is Chang'e. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but pack, it, packed in. But I mean, yeah, one metro. In, in all one honesty, metro. to drive from Jinhae all the way across in Masan would take probably two hours. It can, mm-hmm. yeah. It can. Mm-hmm. I don't if you have a straight shot with green lights, no traffic. <laughs> Traffic will make a difference because well, yeah, yeah. it can it can take an hour to get oh. to get from Jinhei to this part of uh, this part of Changwon can take an hour. All right. So anyway, you like the area? Yes. You're going to be here at least about another year. Yep. So I'm, I'm signed up for another year. So signed yeah. up for another year. Sweet, sweet. I'll uh, put your links to get in contact with Brendan and also. Your books and yeah, pitches idea, people. Let's get this this thing going. Shares, Fifty-three days left. So, you uh, need uh, you need one hundred and ninety more copies. Yes, to make the minimum. So let's get let's get this out there, people. Let's get him. Uh, let's get him what he needs. And uh, yeah, so I'll get all your con- contact information and I'll put it all up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I appreciate the support because uh, with all. All that I have going for me is support. And then the book I've already written and the sample is here. You can mm. read it, take a look, see if it's, you know, to mm. your to your liking. But um, once I have the book written, really from that point on, I rely upon support. Yeah, people who well, like it, people who like me or like the like the arts, uh, want to see books stay in print. Totally true. You can't do anything by yourself. Really, you can't do anything by yourself. It's got a, a, a Apple, Facebook, all these companies that are huge. Yeah, there's a CEO, whatever, Mark Zuckerberg, whatever, but he didn't do it alone. You can't do it alone. It's impossible. It's impossible. So we're going to get you to support everybody out there. Yeah, give him, give Brendan a shout and make sure you you pitch his book to everybody you know. Anybody that likes dragons. What did you say before? Game of Thrones in the West. That's right. Game of Thrones in the West. All right. Scott, you got anything else? No. All right. I got something here. We got two weeks Two weeks from now. Uh, we are going to have the uh, Changwon Market starts back up. And next week is Chuseok. Maybe you'll see us. Maybe you won't. But anyway, have a great Chuseok. And for those of you listening in and around the world, if you would like, send us your questions, your comments, your insults your criticisms whatever we don't care we just love it all so we're 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 attention whores that way send us it all and we will go through it and tell you to fuck off if you need to or tell you we love you anyway uh we are here at the ck in the building of the o'briens where we are going to go get a meal everybody else we'll catch you on the flip side 
tuning in to the Tank Warner Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.